Thank you, Jordan, for reading our scripture. I'm very grateful for the reading tonight. We are looking at 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 13, as we think about confident in Christ. And I want to uh, say at the onset of our lesson tonight that hopefully and prayerfully all of us are confident in our relationship with the Lord. We want to be confident not just in life, but about death and the hope that we have beyond this life. Uh, I know that today is Father's Day, and again, we express appreciation to those of you who are fathers. We're very grateful for your influence, for your love and care, your leadership, and we pray that God will bless you richly, not just today, but for many, many years to come. Uh, I know we probably got a lot of folks on the road traveling. It is uh, June, and so you got people coming and going, and sometimes you got more people going than coming. But uh, we certainly want to be mindful of them as they travel. Look with me, if you would, tonight at 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 13. I appreciate the song that Brother Billy led us tonight, and I'm very grateful that he led for us, Jesus Loves Me. And I know that Vera loves that song. Many of our young folks love that song. And it has been a treasured song for many of us down through the years. And it reaffirms the fact that Jesus does indeed love us. And we know about the love of Jesus, the love of God as a result of reading his word. But I want to also express appreciation for the song that he sang a moment ago about the one in whom we believe. As Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul would say, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul was a man of great confidence. He was confident in his relationship to the Lord. He was confident as he approached the end of his life. And John, in writing in the latter part of the first century, breathes an air of confidence. And as I read the scriptures, as I read the New Testament, one of the things that stands out to me is God wants us to be confident in our relationship to him. He wants us to be confident in our Christian walk, and he wants us to be confident as we come to the close of this life. We need to be confident and assured about the relationship that we enjoy with Christ and the hope that we have beyond this life. And so with that in mind, look at 1 John chapter 5. In 1 John chapter 5, in verse 11, John said, this is the record, this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and he said, this life is in his son. Think for a moment or two about the promise of eternal life. Did you know that the Lord has, the Lord has a place of eternal life awaiting his people? That ought to be of great encouragement to us that there is a place for God's people and we talk about eternal life and what eternal life means to us I'm well aware that there are a lot of people in our world today and we talk about the promise the promise of eternal life to his people there are many many people in our world today that lack confidence they live with an air of doubt. But what I want us to see from the scriptures, 
is that the Word of God is first and foremost discernible. What God has said in His Word can be understood. Do you remember the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 5? Paul would say, And be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Can we understand what God has to say about eternal life? About the place of eternal life? Yes. A resounding yes. God's word is not only discernible, but it is dependable. In other words, you can bank on God's word. And there is an air of confidence or reliability that we ought to have in the scriptures. You see, the Bible tells us that whatever God says, he will bring to pass. In Psalm 119 in verse 89, the psalmist said, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. God's word is not subjected to the changes of time, is it? But rather, God's word is true and steadfast. We can take it to the bank. I think about what Paul said in Titus chapter 1 at verse 2 when he said that we live in hope of eternal life. And then he said, which God who cannot lie promised before the world began. That is of great comfort and encouragement to us. That God has promised us eternal life and what God has said about eternal life will ultimately come to pass. In Hebrews chapter 6 at verse 18, the Hebrew writer said that it is impossible for God to lie. So what, what then are the inspired writers trying to tell us? They're trying to tell us that we can live with confidence in the word of God. That there is this air of reliability or dependability that we can have in the scriptures. And that God has a place for his people. That place is not pie in the sky. Hope so, think so, maybe so. But rather, it is a reality. And then I think about not only has he promised a place for his people, but the Bible tells us he has prepared a place for his people, hasn't he? In John chapter 14, Jesus is about to leave his disciples. And you remember he in, engages in an extended discussion with the apostles. And in chapter 14, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. And then he said, believe also in me. In other words, put your faith in me. Do you remember back in John chapter 6 when multitudes of people were walking away from the Lord because he had identified himself as the bread of life? And Jesus asked those disciples who had not left, will you also go away? And Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have the words of life eternal. Think about that for a minute. The Lord has something to say to us about eternal life. His word about eternal life is discernible, it is dependable. And Jesus said that there is this promised place and there is this prepared place. And so he said, let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. In other words, in my, father, in my Father's house are many abiding places. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And he said, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. What about heaven? 
What about eternal life? Would you agree with me that when we talk about heaven and eternal life, it is a guaranteed place. Do you believe that? It's guaranteed. In other words, God has made the promise. And the Bible says the Lord has gone to prepare for us a place. I believe heaven is just as real as the building in which we are worshiping God in right now. It's that real. And that guarantee, you know, sometimes people will tell us. They make promises. They affirm that they'll stand with us and be with us. Or that they will do certain things. And many times they intend. They'll give us their word. And I think we've all said before that there was a day and time in our country when a man's word was his bond. And in many, in many respects, that is still true among lots of people. But sometimes we we tell people we'll do something and because of some unforeseen event or circumstance in life we're unable we're unable to fulfill that promise not so with heaven not so with with regard to eternal life because when God says look I will do something there is nothing unforeseeable that can happen that will disrupt the promises of God as they relate to heaven so we have this guarantee, don't we? Heaven is a guaranteed place. And the Bible also says it is a glorious place. Can you imagine what it will be like to be in heaven one day? What will it look like? To be in a place unlike anything we've ever seen. To be in a place free from disease and sickness and heartache and sorrow. I can't imagine. Let me call attention. Turn with me very quickly. I want you to see something in relationship to heaven. Look over in Revelation chapter 21. John, John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. He said the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And he said there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down, as he said, out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. In verse 3, he said, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall dwell with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things that passed away. And now listen to verse 5. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, listen to him, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Don't you think as John lays aside the pen of inspiration that God is reassuring one more time that everything that he says and has said about heaven will come to pass. Down in verse 9, John said that it was said to him, Come, I'll show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain. And he showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God and then he talks about the beauty of this city. And many of you have visited some 
beautiful places on planet Earth. Some of you have been to distant lands and you have seen the majesty of God's handiwork. You've seen the rolling hills, the mountains, the mountain brooks, cascading water streams. You have seen the beauty of what God has done in creation. But John here is talking about a new creation. He's talking about the new heaven and the new earth. And Peter would say, in that new heaven and new earth dwells righteousness. It's a different place. Down in verse 22, John said, I saw no temple in it. He said, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God illuminated it. And the Lamb, he said, is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. The kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And there shall by no means enter it anything. The defiles are causes an abomination or a lie. But only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So when we talk about heaven and this special place, this prepared place to understand that it is a guaranteed city and it is a glorious city, a city unlike anything we have ever seen. But through the eye of faith, we've seen it, haven't we? Now, we talk about the promise of eternal life, but there's a second thing John discusses and that is the place of eternal life. Listen to what he says. This is a testimony. This is a record. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. So first and foremost, what John is saying is eternal life is in Christ, isn't it? The importance of being in Jesus Christ Because Jesus is, as he said, the way, the truth, and the life. No man, the Lord said, cometh unto the Father but by me. Luke records in Acts chapter 4 verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So, to know that life is in Jesus Christ... The Bible tells us that salvation is in Christ and all spiritual blessings are in Christ, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. So what about those who enjoy life in Christ? First and foremost, we have to believe in Christ, don't we? The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I mentioned a moment ago, John chapter 6. When Simon Peter affirmed, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life eternal. And then he said, we have come to believe and to know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. To lay claim to the fact that Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be, the divine Son of God. So when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, recognizing that he is the second member of the Godhead, that he was God incarnate, then based on that belief, we respond 
by being baptized into Christ, don't we? We believe Jesus to be the Son of God. We repent of our sins. We confess his name. And we're baptized into Christ. We're baptized into Christ so that we might contact the blood of Christ. Because as John would say in Revelation chapter 1, in verse 5, the blood washes us from all sin, doesn't it? Do you remember the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1, 7? When he wrote, in him, that's in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So salvation is afforded us in Christ. When we believe in Christ or baptized into Jesus Christ, we contact the blood of Christ. And the only thing that's going to save us, the blood of Christ. The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Jesus shed his blood in death, John 19, 34 and 35. The way that we appropriate that blood is we're baptized into Christ. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 6, verse 3, Know ye not that all we who are baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. So think about it for a minute. Eternal life is in Christ Jesus, is it not? Yes. So, salvation is in Christ. Paul, in writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, or rather in chapter 2, verse 10, would say, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may obtain salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So salvation is in Christ, and the Bible tells us we believe in Christ, we're baptized into Christ, we contact the blood of Christ, and then we are added to the body of Christ. Why is it so important to be in Jesus Christ? Well, because that's where salvation is. Well, what about being in the church of Christ? In other words, the body of Christ. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23, that Jesus is the Savior of the body. Well, somebody might ask the question, what's the body? He's the head of the body of the church. The body and the church are one and the same. So when we're baptized into Christ, we contact the blood of Christ, we're added to the body of Christ, and we're among the saved, the cleansed, the redeemed. Now listen again to what John said. This is the record, this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Why do we preach and teach about Jesus? Why do we encourage people to come to Christ? Why did Jesus say that he had come to seek and to save the lost? Because we're interested in people going to heaven, aren't we? We want people to enjoy the blessings and the benefits of eternal life. And Paul said that those of us who belong to the family of God who are in Christ, that we live in hope of life eternal, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. In other words, the hope that we have, the hope beyond this veil of tears, is certain. In other words, it's not hope so, think so, maybe so, but rather we can depend exactly on what the Son of God said. So Jesus, or rather John said, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God, listen to him, does not have life. Those who are outside of Christ find themselves in a precarious situation. Because as Paul said, first, they're without hope. 
to die outside of Jesus Christ, there is no hope. We can't extend hope where there is no hope. And Paul said, outside of Christ, there is no hope. He said, we're without hope. And he said, we're without God in this world. Could there be anything worse or more tragic than dying outside of Christ? You know, Jesus said in John chapter 8, if you die in your sins, where I am, there you cannot come. Now look, there are a lot of bad things that happen to people in our world. Before this week ends, there will be any number of tragedies and heartaches and sorrows. There will be people that will have a job terminated. Some will discover or find out from their physician that they have some type of disease or illness. Some possibly a terminal illness. Others will find out that their economic standing has reversed and they don't have the money that they thought they had. There are a lot of bad things that can happen in this world, but let me tell you what, to die outside of Christ, you just can't imagine. You can't begin to imagine the sorrow, the heartache, the loss. I mean, can you imagine losing your eternal soul? And what John is saying, look, those who have the Son have life. Those who do not have the Son of God in their life. He said, they don't have life. They don't have hope. They're without hope. They're without God in this world. So, there is this sense of sobering news that John alerts us to here. And that sobering news is we need to be in Christ. And there are some folks in the world today that have given little thought to where they will spend eternity. John is writing to give those of us who belong to the family of God confidence. So I want you to think with me in the third place. We talk about the promise of eternal life, the place of eternal life, but what about the provisions of eternal life? And I want to share with you some scriptures, and I want you to look at these scriptures with me. Because I think sometimes we lack confidence, first, in our relationship to the Lord. Secondly, as it relates to our hope beyond this life. So let's talk about our confidence in the Lord. And I want to begin by reminding us of something that John said in 1 John chapter 1. John said, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of his son Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. What John is saying is, if we walk in harmony with the will of God and the word of God, there is the constancy of the blood of Jesus working in our lives on a daily basis. In other words, we maintain fellowship with the Lord. Are we infallible? Are we perfect in every action, every word, every deed? Well, of course not. But John said in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, These things I write to you that, you that you sin not. But he said, If any man sins, let him know he has an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. 
So Jesus is pleading our case before the bar of heaven. And based on the fact that we're walking in the light, that blood is constantly working on our behalf so that we maintain fellowship, full fellowship with God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son. In other words, we have all the rights, privileges of sonship, don't we? As Paul said in Romans chapter 8, we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So what about, what about our confidence in Christ? Well, listen to what John said. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know, K-N-O-W, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. In other words, there is continual progressive action in Christ. We keep on believing. We keep on obeying. We keep on keeping on, as we say sometimes. We're walking in harmony with the will of God. So in light of that, what about, what about our confidence? I want to call some passages to mind. I want you to go back with me first to the book of 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in verse 16, Paul said, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. He's talking now about the physical body, that outward tabernacle of clay made from the dust of the earth. And he said, This outward man, it's perishing, and we know that, don't we? We know just as surely as we are here tonight that our body, our physical body, is constantly undergoing changes. And the aging process is a part of reality. And so this outward man is wearing out and running down. It's not what it once was. But he said the inward man is being renewed day by day. In other words, physically, I might not be as strong as I once was. I might not have the ability to do things that I could do in days gone by. But my inward man, my spirit, stronger than it's ever been. How's that happen? By feeding on the word of God, by growing in the faith, by engaging in spiritual activities. And so Paul said, our inward man is being renewed day by day. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. He said the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, make the transition to chapter 5. In light of the fact that this outward man is perishing, running down, and wearing out. Here's what Paul said. For we know. Isn't that what John said just a minute ago? That he had written these things that we might know, K-N-O-W? No wondering here on the part of the Apostle Paul. 
Paul said, look, my physical body's wearing out. It's running down. It's decaying. Ultimately, it'll reside in the cemetery. And so he said, we know, in light of these facts, we know that if our earthly house, this tabernacle, this tent, this physical body, be dissolved. He said, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, listen to him, eternal in the heavens. Down in verse 6, Paul said, we're always confident. Knowing that while we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. But look at verse 8. We are confident. Yes, he said, well pleased. Rather to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. To be in the presence of God. Now, sometimes as people approach the end of life, sometimes people wonder about their relationship with Christ in this life. And John is writing to give us confidence. To give us confidence about our relationship with the Lord right now. But also we think about beyond this life. So should we live with a cloud of uncertainty? Should we wonder about our home in heaven? Paul said, look, there's no wondering here. He's saying, if my body yields to death, he said, I have a house not made with hands. And he said, it is eternal in the heavens. Now, there's a second scripture I want you to see. Turn with me now to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I want us to read these verses together because I think they're extremely important in light of the confidence that we're to have in Christ. Paul now is writing to Timothy, and this is his last letter. The time is AD 68. Paul realizes that death is not just inevitable, but it is imminent. He's about to face the end of his physical life here upon this earth. And so he would say, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And he said, the time of my departure is at hand. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. All right, Paul, there's no wondering on your part. And now there's no wavering either. Listen to what he says. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now think about that for a minute. No wondering. No wavering. No think so, maybe so, hope so, pie in the sky type stuff. No, this is rock solid confidence. And Paul is looking death square in the eyes. Wouldn't be long, Nero Caesar would have his head. And Paul could say, look, you can kill the body, but you can't kill the soul. Drop down and look, if you would, at verse 18. He said, the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever Amen. Paul, are you saying you lived with confidence? Yes, I, yes, I am. Very confident. One other passage I want to share with you. Turn now to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Now we have the apostle Peter talking to us. And Peter reminds us of the resurrection of Christ and the significance of that to those of us who are believers. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy 
has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now listen to what he says. To an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, reserved. Well, he said it does not fade away, and it is reserved in heaven for you. No wondering, no wavering, and no worry. Peter would soon face death himself. And Peter's saying, look, as a child of God, here's what we have to look forward to. We have before us an inheritance. And that inheritance, we can depend on it. We can, with certainty, lay claim to it, can't we? He said, when we talk about heaven, we need to understand that we have a place that is incorruptible, it's undefiled, and it does not fade away. And he said, it is reserved in heaven for you. In other words, God is standing guard over it, isn't he? All the promises and all the blessings. You know, sometimes it's tough to think about the termination of life here on planet Earth. We say from time to time that we're born to die, and that's true. We're all terminals. I guess the question is, you know, when? But you think about as we come to the end of life, what John is saying to us is, look, we can live with this air of confidence or certainty that there is assurance, assurances that have been made available to us in Christ, and we can lay claim to them. So go back again and look at verse John chapter 5. John said, these things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. As a child of God, until you breathe your last here on planet Earth, you can know you have eternal life. So we can live in confidence. We can be confident in the Lord, and then we have a crown awaiting us in the Lord, don't we? That Stephanos, that victor's crown, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 identified it as an incorruptible crown. James said that we endure the trials and tribulations of this life that we may receive the crown of life which fades not away. And Jesus said we're to be faithful until death with the promise, the expectation of receiving that crown of life. I think it's important for us to be confident in our salvation. Confident first in our relationship to the Lord. And secondly, as it relates to eternal life. I hope and pray that all of us, as we live, that we will live in confidence. Confidence in the promises that have been made unto us in the scriptures because God wants us to be confident. And he wants us to be like the Apostle Paul. We don't need, we don't need to be wondering. We, we don't need to be wavering. We don't need to be worrying about what lies ahead. Because when it's all said and done, everything God has promised will come to pass. So if you're here tonight and you're not in Christ, why not leave here with eternal life? Leave here knowing that you are heaven bound. That come what may, you're in Christ. You have all the blessings and favors in Christ, and that you have the hope of life eternal. What do you need to do? 
just what we said a minute ago. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Repent of your sins. Confess his name before others. Be buried with him in baptism so that all your sins can be washed away. Acts 22, 16. And then be faithful. Now you might be here tonight. For whatever reason, your relationship to the Lord is not what it ought to be. As the family of God, could we pray with you and for you? You know, John said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So tonight, we'd be happy to pray with you and for you as we stand and sing.